Welcome back to Wherever Island. As you know by now, each episode is a new travel destination filled with stories about and inspired by that place. The locations are unplanned. They're just wherever I land. Today, we're up in the green mountains of Salento. And yeah, we're still in Colombia. Our story today is anchored around a seemingly innocuous activity, a bike ride. As always, I'm your host, Andrea Lucia Peters, a Colombian-British journalist documenting this voyage across Colombia and letting you live the whole journey with me. Let's be transported then. Okay. So it's day one in Salento, and it's so rural, we're in the middle of nowhere. There's cows, crows, cockle doodle doing. That's a cockerel. The voice that just confused a cockerel and a crow is me, an almost unreal stereotype of a London city girl. The person that knows her birds is Hannah. She grew up in a village in the deep countryside in southern England. And we met at uni, bonding over a hatred of Spanish, the subject we were taking, and uh, just being generally anxious people. Now we're in Salento, Colombia. The town is made up of all these tiny little colourful houses. What do you think of it? What's your voice notice? Um, yeah. I love it. My favourite house is the Norwich City House. <laughs> Norwich City, of course, is the world-famous football club near Hannah's Village. The kit colours are yellow and green, which is not the colour scheme I would have chosen to paint my own house, even if the planning permission in the UK did allow for it, which it definitely doesn't. But here in the tourist town of Salento, Every terraced house in the historic centre is painted with bright, contrasting colours in the traditional Paisa style of architecture. Traditional Paisa houses are elegantly painted in yellows, greens, pinks, reds, whites, blues, oranges, and form rows and rows of lively streets. Each house has a large hallway, tall windows, and my favourite bit, interior courtyards which developed from the Paisa belief in large families and open communities. Even our budget hostel that fit 10 people into one room had a large shaded courtyard with plants, two hammocks and cool clay tiles for those swelteringly hot days. Which is where we asked at the reception desk uh, what the recommended thing to do here is before being pointed towards a mountain bike tour. We're in Salento. I'm translating for the bike tour guide. Turns out we're pretty easy sales because we signed up straight away. A transport vehicle is going to take us up the mountain on a route that shows off the massive cloudy valleys. We'll explore a biodiverse zone that is protected by the government named the Carbonera Valley. Tiene mucho más árboles de cera que inclusive el Valle del Cocora. Es una zona no turística, entonces la experiencia es mucho más natural, más real. It has way more giant wax palms than the more famous Kokora Valley and it isn't as touristy so the experience will be much more real. And then we'll descend on the bikes for about 28 kilometers. The route will take roughly five hours. So we paid up and a few hours later we were on our way. 
We're just about to do the mountain biking, as you can tell from the cool vibes pumping out of the truck that we were just on. Our guides are very, very sick and cool. They were smoking a bit of weed, so <laughs> we're going to be so scared the whole way down and they're going to be straight chilling. Now, I don't want to be a narc, but this happens so much in my travels across Colombia. The people in charge are these easy breezy, take life as it comes, hippie type guides, which I can admire even if I can't really empathize. Because being raised British gave me a permanent straight spine. Then again, I don't think you're necessarily uptight for wanting your guide to be grounded when he's responsible for your safety during an extreme sport. So as much as I was trying to play it cool, this did freak me out, even if I was enjoying the pumping EDM. A reminder that I'm here with my equally anxious friend, Hannah. How do you feel, Hannah? Pumped? It's too big. Good. I'm very excited about my helmet. Are you sure it help? Let's see. Once clipped into our helmets, we took a few more looks around the sweeping valley landscape and sat atop our tricked-out mountain bikes, complete with bouncy suspension and fat tyres. I want to do the easiest route. I just want to go fast. You get what you wish for. I've brushed over this statement a few times that me and Hannah are both anxious people. It's easy to drop in a sentence in a fun, self-deprecating kind of way. It's not really that accurate, though. I have OCD, generalised anxiety and depression, which doesn't roll off the tongue as well. People can be quite surprised when they hear this because a lack of exposure makes them jump to stereotypes. TV is full of these depictions. Do you, um, do you want a hand? Oh, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm good, really. <laughs> really? Because um, I can see from here that you've used window cleaner to mop the floor and uh, that keyboard is crawling in a coli because I know for a fact Miss Hoffmeyer doesn't wash her hands after doing number twos. That is a superpower I don't share. My OCD just pings threats more often than the average then reacts to them extremely fearfully before trying to delete them entirely from my mind. An example of this is just trying diverse food. The food can look so mouth-watering, but after taking a bite of an empanada or a handful of popcorn, my mind asks, what if you're allergic to this? And then falls down the rabbit hole of how I'm about to die in two minutes unless I do something about it. It's traumatic and it's exhausting, but it's the brain that I've got which leads to my obsession with travel and extreme sport. I love it. It makes my mind go completely blank. With consistent exposure, scary activities become fun. Although I can, of course, still recognise real danger and a perfect breeding ground to awaken my spidey senses, or that would be mountain biking down a steep valley with tour guides who are chilling with Mary Jane. But these kind of challenges are what makes travelling so much more fun than regular life. So we set off. And it's... amazing.
Salento lies in the central Cordillera of the Andean Mountains. Looking at it on a map, the mountain range looks like a spine coming up and out of the earth and rippling across the center of Colombia. The results are these peaks and valleys across the department we're in, Quindío. As far as the eye can see is lush green, layers and layers of humps and hills in the skyline, rich in vegetation with bushy shrubs and tall wax palms that touch the clouds, alongside roaring rivers and streams. If I ever wanted to escape city life, I would just buy a little cabin right here, with a few acres around me and just live in this verdant paradise that's not too hot or humid while still being short weather. You know, the Kokora Valley is the biggest tourist attraction around. It's a national park with protected status. You've got restaurants to stop into and traditional jeeps or willies, as they're known here, that drive you right across the landscape. We actually chose to go to the much lesser known Carbonara Valley, which yes, putting it out there, does share its name with the deliciously cheesy Italian spaghetti dish. La Carbonara is owned by one lady who rents a handful of farms on her land and little else. It's empty. All you have here is the great gravel road and the wide valley to descend down. On our little mountain bikes with their massive suspension, we raced down the road. Some German tourists that form part of our group are pros, so they fly right ahead. Trying to keep up with them, me and Hannah let the brakes fly pretty loose, skidding and bumping over rocks behind them. It's actually pretty tense. You're hitting so many rocks that you're crouched off the seat and your fingers are squeezing the brakes as you hit the corners and try to avoid boulders that will leave you flat on your back. It's fast and hard, and when I let go of the fear rising in my chest, it's so much fun. We're about 20 minutes into our mountain biking, and it's really, really scary. Forgive the audio quality, we're on the steep side of the valley, and the wind was whipping about. I said, we're 20 minutes in, and it's really cool, really scary. Whenever you have to pass over like a big rock or a bunch of police rocks, but like skids a bit, it's less safe. But the bits where it's all flat, when you get to go around these big curves and downhills, and it's all like super flat. I, it's so fun. You just like start looking ahead and being like, what's the thing that's going to trip me up? How am I going to go around it? I'm becoming a mountain bike strategist. So now we're getting into the meat of why this route in particular is so scary. Basically, it's not built for downhill mountain biking. It's just a gravel path. The bikes can skid on the rocks as they slip away underneath the tires or be so big that they'd flip you over if you hit them. Add all that with speed and I'm on the edge of my seat, literally, trying to go fast without wiping out. So it's a delicate balance, to say the least. So far it's quite scary. But you know what is sick? We're, go we're doing this whole mountain bike thing along this massive valley with these huge trees that aren't palm trees but similar looking and you just see everything. And so also because the valley has lots of little ridges in the mountain, it's just like rippled with sunlight in areas and it's just so breathtaking. I've been in the mountains so much recently and just in so many different types of environments. Colombia really does have such a massive amount of biodiversity. Like you're in a different country one week to the next. 
It's amazing. After a few hours of cycling, we get off, go on a hike, and by the time we've returned to our little bikes, it's pitch black. They'd given us these little headlamps to attach to the front of our bikes to see ahead of us. From the start, mine was red and blinking, so of course, after about 10 minutes downhill, it just switched off completely. Whereas before, the valley had been this rich pasture of green, bright with dappled sunlight, it's now black, black. There's no light pollution, the nearest town is kilometers away, and the only sound is coming from the animals in the forest and the skidding rocks that fall away under the bike's tires. Remember that we're on this tour with pros. So they whizzed away into the darkness, seeing the black as an extra challenge. We never actually saw them again. Diving in headfirst, forcing myself to override my anxious brain and do the scary stuff makes me keep a fast pace. I'd wanted to shoot round bends and jump over boulders just as fast as before, quick and hard in the dark, with wind whipping around me and adrenaline ramping up and up. Then, the rocks underneath my tyres skidded on a steep descent. I tried to gain control through the steering and brakes, but the momentum and crumbling ground took over and left me free-falling. Now Hannah, my equally anxious friend who basically just arrived in Colombia, is also on this route, except she's alone and in the dark too, far from me and the pros, and about to enter an equally sticky situation. Pretty different to how we'd spent the morning. By me, much strong, you know. How many years old are you, are you think? Twenty. <laughs> Seventy-one. No! Seventy-one. Wow! Yes. Stop. In December, in December twenty-fourth. Wow! I was the seventy-one. Your birthday is Christmas Eve, and your name is Christmas. Brilliant! This is how we spent the AM in Salento on a coffee farm with the most charismatically eccentric tour guide named Jesus. When I drink coffee, it's clear, very clear. I don't like, I don't know. He makes coffee, but he hates coffee. 71 years old. Well, I can't believe it, he's so athletic. He's in Nike Air Maxes. (laughs) What do you think of the tour, Hannah? I like it, this guy is great. Going on a tour on one of these farms is an essential tourist activity for visitors to the Zona Cafetera, for obvious reasons. Colombia itself is one of the world's biggest exporters of the drink. Globally, if you enter any Starbucks or any independent cafe, I can guarantee that if you pick up a bag of beans, there's a good chance you'll see the words country of origin, Colombia. To see where this trade begins, all you have to do in Salento is hop on a pickup truck, or willy, as they're known here. Yeah, that's right, willy, and jump off at whichever farm catches your eye. These farms are fully operational and they take you through the whole life process of a coffee bean from its inception as a seed to its final product as liquid caffeine. And they let me take free reign and scurry about the land as much as I wanted. So we're on the hike. It's not even a hike, it's a tour. And there's lots of rows and rows of coffee beans. And it looks messy from afar, but then you actually take a look and there's rows and rows of these different types of coffee plants, all different sizes and different types, and they're all arranged very neatly. 
and then you can see the little stumps and you can see how many lives they've got left because all coffee plants have three lives which I've just learnt because I'm now an expert and in between it all there's also all these massive plantain trees and banana trees and they kind of like shield from either side so it's very like beautiful chickens coming by hello Mr Chicken and then there's loads of other little plants like oranges I think it's good to have a diversity here rather than just coffee plants. Oh, and now we're going to see a grinder. It's still, it's still going yeah. in. Oh, wow, it smells amazing. Mm. amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's nice. Oh, so we just grind up and then can we drink it? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Cool. And then you filter it, obviously. Oh, obviously. Yeah. It's your meat. By this point, we were all salivating for the coffee. We'd had a look around the beautiful farm with its abundance of plants, lemon trees and overhead canopy created by massive banana leaves. We'd smelt the roasted beans going through a grinder. And now, even people like me, people who don't drink coffee, were tripping over themselves to head back to the plastic chairs and tables to try the finished product. Cheers. Salud. 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 Okay, so what, what notes are you getting in there? Wood. I mean, we saw the beans being ground, but we don't know where the beans are from. We could have just gone to a local we'll supermarket and just been like, this could all be a host. <laughs> <laughs> Tesco's cheapest. <laughs> They're just plastic plants in the ground. Yeah. It's all they've gone. Amazing. It tastes very good to be yeah, good. I'm not good at coffee, so I'm just like, oh yes. <laughs> Truly divine. <laughs> when, I, when I arrived at yours in Bogota, she was like, oh, she had this pot of instant coffee. I don't know how to make it. You'll have to do it. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. <laughs> Definitely half Colombian, not Colombian. <laughs> so our coffee table was uh, less than high culture. The drink was good. I can't offer you a reading more detailed than that. But the travellers we were with, I'd give them five stars for banter. One of the guys we met told his mum that he was... I was in Colombia and ever since she's just been sending me photos of her drinking Colombian coffee. Like, Look, Alex, I'm drinking Colombian coffee. It's like, fantastic. It's like me and you, we're having the yeah, same experience. Exactly. <laughs> Doing lines of cocaine. <laughs> Listening back to this sounds really idyllic. The laughs we had around good coffee, the smells and sounds and rustle of the leaves. As we sat about chatting with people we'd only met an hour ago while we sipped on objectively some of the best coffee I've ever had. Who knew that Salento had such highs and lows to offer? A few hours later, and it's pitch black. Hannah's alone and lost, and I was skidding out of control. Never having mountain biked and speeding down a gravel road rather than a maintained path is not ever recommended for beginners. Going around a turn on the mountainside, the rocks under my wheels had all given away and squeezing on the brakes caused my bike to start drifting, spitting up rocks in my wake. I completely lost control. And because of how fast I'd been going, I started twisting the handlebars back and forth trying to not fly off the edge of the path and have some command of my direction. I was at the back, so the tour guide was close by. When he saw what was happening, he shouted out. But there was nothing he could do. I was in freefall, hurtling closer and closer to the cliff's edge. Then, before the drop, 
I decided to pedal. I lurched forward, and the front wheel dipped down into the valley. I could see the abyss below, but my back wheel finally had some grip, so twisting the handlebars back towards the road, the bike actually listened, and in less than a second I had rammed myself into the inside bend of the mountain and back to safety. The first thing I did when the bike stopped was jump off, throw off my helmet and sigh. Then the guide pulled up. Meanwhile, Hannah's completely alone. So we'd been out cycling and hiking all all day. And um, at this point, it was completely pitch black. We'd just gone up to the top of the mountain at sunrise and we'd been cycling down for maybe an hour or so. But at this point, at this point, all we had was some temperamental lights at the front of our bikes to illuminate the path. We started off in a group of maybe five people, I think. But at this point, the speedy team had left me, Andrea, and our tour guide to continue the adventure alone. I think it was something about being in the mountains at night and being amongst all the nature that made me more adventurous than normal. And the whole experience was definitely quite exhilarating. So I ended up speeding off for a few minutes on my own, just enjoying, I guess, my own company. Um, It was only when I actually took a bit of time to rest that I realised I was completely alone and I couldn't hear the others. So I immediately thought that maybe I'd taken the wrong turning at a fork in the road. I didn't didn't even know. I was just kind of going for it. But I was definitely uh, starting to panic. Um, I'm someone that won't even walk through a field of cows without being scared. So I was starting to feel pretty nervous um, because there was forest either side of me and I knew that Colombia is one of the most biodiverse countries in the world. So I was beginning to worry about what, what might be lurking. So she'd sat there, nervously looking around and just waiting listening to the creaks and groans of the forest and wondering if a wild dog was looking back, waiting, preparing to pounce. Hannah weighed up if she should keep going or go back. There could be no calls to help. No one was around and her foreign phone wouldn't work here. So she sat and braced and waited and waited. Then, she heard a scattering of stones that approached, growing louder and louder. And the bike tour guide and I cruised into view. Literally, when we left, I like was off in front of you and I stopped. I was actually waiting for like, what felt like ages and I was like, fucking hell. Were you freaking I'm, out? Literally, I was hoping to get eaten by a <laughs> Did you think you'd gone down like the wrong route or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to die here. He'd been making sure I was okay, and maybe because we'd been so overcome with adrenaline, uh, maybe there'd been a bit of flirting. After a few shout whispers at me over how scared she'd been, and my pretense that I hadn't nearly had a panic attack on the bike, uh, and was only delayed by my mad game, we all continued on until we reached a point that overlooks the whole town of Salento. A cluster of twinkly lights on the horizon 
amidst the dark. Vienen muy cansadas. Just listen to that voice and tell me you wouldn't. Si no quieren continuar en la cicla, pueden continuar en el carro. Yo creo que voy a hacer eso. Tú quieres seguir, ¿no? Ella quiere montarse en el carro también. Sí. sí. Nos rindimos. <laughs> At the offer of going back in the jeep, I jumped. At the thought of another hour, this time without me, Hannah also called it quits. 40 minutes from the trail end, we give up. I think, I think we did well, to be fair. I think we just it's pitch black. The last bits we were coming down, I was like, just going slow. Like at first I was like, I'm going to be a bad girl. And then at the end of it, I was like, no, I'm going to go slow and brake on both the front and back brake. El va a seguir en el bici. Pobrecito. He's going to carry on on his bike. Seriously. So totally exhausted, we sat back with the EDM pumping and looked out at the horizon as we approached the bright little lights of the mountain town of Cilento. Yeah, baby. You know how after you exercise, you have a window of just feeling so at ease and good? Well, after our extraordinarily long and adrenaline-filled day, me and Hannah just couldn't crash at our hotel, no matter how comfortable the bunk beds were. The lights twinkling from the rows of brightly coloured houses called our names. And even though we had been stressed at each other for most of this trip, that night everything from our relationship to the food flowed as easy as the night's breeze. So me and Hannah are in this really tiny little bar with live music playing. I don't even know if you can hear me right now over the noise of it. But it's really cute and it's tiny, tiny. How, is it, how big is it? Like five meters by five meters? No, this is a bit bigger. Ten, ten, ten by ten. ten. <laughs> 20 by 20. Ten by ten meters. It's really nice. And when I thought my time in Salento couldn't end on a higher high, I heard the love of my life. And it's got loads of little fairy lights. And it's our final night here and it's so cute. Yeah, and it's also, it's a shisha bar as well. Which is extra. Well, well, there's a shisha pipe. We don't know if it's a shisha bar. Oh yeah, I suppose it is a shisha bar. And there's no Wi-Fi. Yeah. Talk amongst yourselves. They have a really angry sign that says, No tenemos Wi-Fi. So that's why we're doing a podcast. We run out of things to talk about. This bar is just so tiny and intimate and the most beautifully androgynous woman started singing a love song that seemed to just be for me. And maybe Hannah. I still get goosebumps just thinking about it and hearing her voice. So, we rambled the streets, listening to the music pouring out from the bars and town square, and bumping into travellers we'd met on the coffee tour. Oh, hey guys! Hello. Hey. <laughs> oh my god, how are you guys? The music is so good inside. Uh, what good vibes of this night. I know! <laughs> bumping into people we met, vagabunda. Until our spirits and feet couldn't take us any further. And then, before we could soak it all up, the next day had arrived and we headed down and out of the mountains, this time on a minibus rather than a daredevil mountain bike. On the bus back to Armenia. 
looking at my last glimpses of the valley. Towards somewhere completely new. How are you doing? I hope you enjoyed the trip to Salento. You've been listening to Wherever Island, an independent production created by me, Andrea Lucia Peters. If you'd like to support the show, there are a few ways that you can do this. One, you could share the podcast with friends and family. It's really the most honest way for us to grow. Or two, you could leave an iTunes review. This lets people know that you've enjoyed the show and I've promised to read out any good reviews here on the podcast. Speaking of, we did have our first review last week. Uh, The title is Breath of Fresh Air. So refreshing to listen to a woman and feel like she actually knows what she's talking about. For once, I didn't mind listening to a podcast without a male voice. And that's saying something. Bravo. So this says it's by Podcast Reviewer 96, but I know that it's actually by Hannah, the person who's in this episode and who I sent the podcast to. She went out of her way to write a cheeky review for me. And even though it sounds sexist, uh, I would like to remind you that Hannah actually is a, a massive sexist. Yeah, you should cancel her for sure. She's the worst. And if you want to leave any hate crimes for me, just make sure to put them in an iTunes review and I'll definitely read it. Before I close out, I touched on a few sensitive topics, including my OCD diagnosis. Since this was recorded, I have gotten a lot better. And I would just like to remind you as you listen, that whatever you're dealing with, there are so many options and so much help that is available. I reached out and you can too. That's all for now. Tune in next time. As usual, I've not planned out what's the story or where I'm going. I'll let fate determine wherever I might land. Thank you.